The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And I keep you connected on air with information and conversation. Well, social work involves a lot of different kinds of social issues. So, of course, all my guests come at it from a very different perspective. I have three guests this morning. And my first guest is Dr. Bill Nows. He's an educational psychologist. He is the author of a new book called, uh, well, it's been out for a few months, actually, Fearless Job Hunting, Understanding the Common Mistakes and Behaviors that are Holding You Back. And, of course, job hunting in this economy is key. So he's going to talk to us about how to weather the economic storm, and there are a lot of people trying to do this. Um, my next guest in the next half hour is Dr. Fran Walfish. She is a leading child and family therapist, and her book is about the self-aware parent that parents, her perspective or her, uh, of the book involves resolving conflict and building a better bond with your child. So we're going to learn how to do that, and I'm sure many of us or most of us, no matter how old your child is, we want to be able to do that, to make this connection with our children. And last is Pam Anderson, New York Times bestselling author and USA Weekend Food columnist, and she's got some ideas for perfect one-dish dinners which hopefully will relieve the stress that we have over the holiday season, you know, having to cook for family and friends and uh, not having enough time to do it. So, um, you know, cooking and and the way that she cooks and cooking these one-dish dinners will help us to relieve some of that stress. But first, Bill Nouse. Bill, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Great to have you here. Okay, so you are, you know, I'm glad I have you on this morning because I think that – uh, you're right on target here with your book. I mean, if people are out there, they're going to have to weather the economic storm. They're going to have to get a job. They're terrified. They're stressed out. Uh, but you and your book point out very specific ways that one should go about this. So let's talk about some of those ways in which, you know, people may be even sabotaging their own efforts to find a job. Yeah, some people are very, very good at sabotaging themselves, shooting themselves in the foot. And if you know how you do it, then you at least have the option to stop. And But a lot of it is, we, we all know, uh, people who are very smart will repeat the same kind of errors that they, uh, they have done before while swearing that they won't. But I, I think in this particular job market, uh, you have to look at a job search in a little bit of a different way. Uh, under most conditions, about 80% of a job search is psychological. And most books and most people talk about the procedures which is how do you create a resume and how do you send a letter, Uh, what kind of thank you note do you write. But that doesn't quite cut it when you have 17 million people who are either unemployed or underemployed seeking 2.8 million jobs. So the game changes radically, and the game changes radically to uh, weathering disappointments because they're going to be there, and then um, mobilizing your resources and 
organizing and directing your efforts with a certain degree of persistence to get the kind of job that you want and that you can sustain over a long period of time. And so the psychological part is far more important than usual when people are running around trying to find other people for jobs and when you are the one who is scurrying with uh, no necessarily good end in sight, but knowing that you can tip the balance in your favor and you can shift the odds in your direction by doing some things that most people don't do. And and I should say Dr. Bill Nouse, because you are a licensed psychologist in Massachusetts, and you specialize in uh, anxiety treatment, frustration tolerance, so you really are the person to address this issue, I have to say. Um, but, you know, people do forget that. They sort of have their checklist of things that they have to do, but in the meantime, they don't address, because I think it's more difficult. I mean, don't you, I mean, having to address the anxieties, the stuff that holds you back, um, you know, really assessing your emotional state while you're going out and looking for these jobs, and there's a lot of pressure from family, uh, well, from family, number one, and besides the, own, the pressure that one puts on oneself, and if you're caught up in all of that, you really can't follow, the, well, as you said, those formulas for going out and, and, and pursuing uh, a job search. Yeah, it's, uh, that's why I think that's probably the more important. You know, if, if you fear uncertainty, you think that it's a jungle out there, you believe that you don't really have much of a shot, you're more likely to come to a conclusion, why bother? And what you were saying about families then becomes more important because if you, you, if you view things, uh, a job search in that way, uh, your family is also going to be affected. So uh, from a family standpoint, you know, people who actually have less stress are the ones who are pretty straightforward with their family. Say, look, this is not going to be the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> the conditions aren't necessarily great. So we're going to have to really hunker down and weather the storm. Uh, kids then surprisingly are less demanding on on, on special gifts. Uh, they're more or less happy with uh, family outings. You know, going to a museum, uh, going for a hike, uh, and th- those kinds of structures of life become far more important. And, and it, it teaches kids also a, a, a sense of resilience. So how you handle yourself can make a big difference. The a positive out or a secondary gain, to use the vernacular for that, is if a parent doesn't have a job and can't buy expensive presents. They may be spending more time with their kids, which the kids are going to like, as you say, rather, you know, going out and playing ball or hiking or going to a museum with their mother or their father is far more satisfying to them than getting some big fancy toy but not being with their parent. Absolutely. In fact, as a, I remember as a child, uh, I can't tell you really much in the way of gifts I got uh, when I was a kid, but I can remember uh, trips to uh, Quabbin Reservoir. I can remember... Uh, various things we did as a family, and those are the things that stand out in my mind. I remember uh, <clears throat> uh, being with my great aunts and sitting down, and they all enjoyed playing uh, cards and various games with me. Those are the things I remember much, much more and I, and than, than gifts, and I can't even tell you what the gifts were <laughs> at this point. So I think that that's important. You know, Create a structure in your life uh, where you include your family and be honest about it, but, but not panicked about it. Two, uh, uh, create a structure in your own life. Uh, treat a job search as a full-time proposition where you, you create a schedule for yourself. You have a room maybe cut aside for yourself. And then really watch out for the uh, uh, the wheedler, which is kind of a, a, a voice of procrastination, which says you aren't going to be able to get anywhere anyways. The job market is too tight. Now, a lot of people think that way, and if you don't, and that means that even though there might be 17 million people out of work and there's 22.8 million jobs available at this time, there aren't uh, 
17 million people actively looking, there might be maybe less than half of that. So the odds really shift in your favor. So if you don't fall victim to the self-handicapping idea that later is better, I'll wait until the economy clears up, I'll wait until my unemployment is about out, then I'll feel more motivated. If you get away from all that nonsense, <clears throat> have your day structured, look around, research companies, get around your neighborhood. Maybe there's an industrial park. Uh, check out which ones have full, uh, full parking lots. I have a friend of mine who owns a company, and I got an email from him yesterday, and he basically said, uh, geez, I can't understand you're doing these things on the Internet as far as helping people get jobs, and you're doing it for free. He said, I, I have oodles of jobs. I'm offering a fair wage, and I can't get people to go to work for me. <laughs> so part of it is because of the unemployment and, and short-sightedness, thinking, well, you know, I'll wait till the money runs out. And some people are part of the underground shadow economy, so they do, in fact, make more than if they were to work. But, but in the I long also run, think, Bill, another part of that is, People don't listen to other naysayers. I mean, there are so many people out there, or even friends or people who purport to be your friends will say, oh, there are no jobs. You know, forget about it. And, you know, if you listen to all of that stuff and then you react to it, I think that's enough. You kind of have to put on your blinders or you have to not respond to that kind of out, those outside comments. And, and even the media does it as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right on two things. One, one of the naysayers, uh, what do they know anyways? If I listen to naysayers, I would never write my books on procrastination because they told me uh, I wouldn't be able to uh, crank out more than a uh, possibly a minuscule article on it. And, of course, they've written five books on it, Some of, and collectively they probably sold over a million copies. So that, that's nonsense when you listen to naysayers. Uh, <clears throat> think for yourself. The other, other part is you're right on, on spot on as far as the uh, bombardment from the media. Uh, what they do is they talk about stressors being being out of work or stressors being family conflicts or stressors being that. That's all nonsense. Those are conditions, <clears throat> and how you respond to the conditions is the stressor. For example, uh, well, hey, look, <clears throat> let's take uh, a guy named Viktor Frankl who uh, was in a Nazi uh, concentration camp, Auschwitz, during uh, the World War II. What he found is he had no control over the things that took place around him, but what he always had control over was his own sense of spirit within uh, what he thought, how he operated, and reverberating from history back uh, to the ancient uh, times, you, you find people who've kind of discovered that, that conditions might be rotten, but it's how you view things that can make all the difference. And if you see that you can establish some control over your life by the actions you take, the researching of companies, uh, talking to positive people who can maybe give you some direction about job openings, uh, and you keep doing that, you develop what's called self-efficacy, <clears throat> which is a, a very powerful belief that you have the, the capabilities within yourself to organize, direct your actions towards positive results, and that applies throughout your entire life. What you learn during a job search at this point can apply to keeping in shape, which incidentally is important to do while you're searching, maintaining a good diet, which is important, and also getting adequate sleep. These are all, all uh, things which help keep stress under control, but the more important thing is, is not to fall victim to your own uh, negative thinking about the whole thing and then, then start thinking tomorrow is better and then you end up procrastinating and then you bring about the thing that you don't really want to have happen to begin with but does. 
don't you think that Elizabeth Edwards is a perfect example of what you're talking about? I mean, you mentioned, you know, Viktor Frankl and, and the victim of a concentration camp, and yet he had control over himself, not at the circumstances. And I think she's a good example of that as well. I mean, all of the outside things that happened to her with illness and, and her estrangement from her husband and all those kinds of things, but at the same time, she maintained her own I say dignity, but besides that, it's more of what you're talking about, her ability to control what she could control and to go on. And as she said, I guess this morning I was listening to one of the talk shows on television. They said she, wasn't, she didn't want to be remembered as fighting cancer, but as living life. Man, that's, that's uh, spot on. And, and she uh, is really a very good example of somebody who, who um, uh, as the media says, look, was a forward thinker. She, she really wasn't looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, she wasn't tying her uh, ankles together. Uh, she was uh, moving forward with her life, which which says, look, uh, she's a, a, a woman who was able to uh, establish a sense of inner command over herself. And I'm sure never liking the infidelities, never never liking the cancer, uh, probably wishing that died, this never happened. And a fifteen year old son. I mean, she really had the. I mean, as a psychologist and 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 I as a social worker. I mean, those are the three probably the. Three worst stress—not probably—they are most the three top stressors that one could have in, in one's life. And her attitude made the difference. You can't her control the cancer. You can't control a uh, screwball husband, but you can uh, have command over over the inner theater of your mind, your own inner world, and how you how you choose to perceive reality can make a huge difference. Not only in the job search, but just in living life in general, and making making a, a better case out of a, a situation that's frankly just absolutely crappy <clears throat> and uh, but if you're going to be stuck with these things uh there's no sense giving yourself a double or triple trouble by moaning and groaning and beating yourself up over it exactly and, and so your book really is tie- your book applies as we've been saying not only to jobs but to the just to your lifestyle in general um do you have a website that we can go to bill and uh could you give that to us well, I'll give you something even better. A group okay. of us are doing a free voluntary Internet program for people who are searching for jobs, and we deal with the psychological as well as the procedural and practical parts. Where are you going to find the jobs? But how do you get yourself mentally geared up and maintain a good good outlook while you're going through it? And the nice thing is it's no cost, no strings attached, nothing. It's a public service, and we want to do this because we know there's a mess out there and we know people are hurting and need some help. And if you go to uh, psychologytoday.com and find uh, Science and Sensibility, which is uh, the blog that I do, the, what you're going to find, the very top of the list is uh, uh, on uh, uh, out of work, seeking a job, and that's going to uh, direct you right to a, uh, a chat room, which every Monday at noon uh, we hold forth and people come up with their questions. We have some ideas and concepts, and we, we kind of have a conversation with each other you know about how to how to weather the the job market, but also what can you do? What are the practical things you can do? What are the steps that you can take so you can develop that sense of self-efficacy that's so important, where you're in command of yourself, and therefore you're better able to command the events that take place around you. So uh, that's a that's a good start. Monday noon, uh, PsychologyToday.com, uh, science and sensitivity to uh, jobs, <clears throat> uh, looking looking out of work, looking for a job, that blog, and you get all the information there about how to kind of look at things a little bit differently, probably as as, uh, Elizabeth, as Elizabeth Edwards did. And, uh, 
you know, profit from what we've learned over the centuries and Terrific. learn Bill, about what so the job now. Say goodbye. Yeah. I have my next guest waiting in the wings, but Dr. Bill Naus. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. I want to mention the book again. You can buy it at Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Fearless Job Hunting, Understanding the Common Mistakes and Behaviors that Are Holding You Back. Have a great day. Happy Holidays. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. Uh, coming up next, Dr. Fran Walfish, author of The Self-Aware Parent, Resolving Conflict and Building a Better Bond with Your Child, which is something we all want to do. So don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And joining me in this half hour is Dr. Frances Walfish, She's a leading child and family psychotherapist, a consultant for Parenting Teens Resource Network. Uh, she's been on the NBC Nightly News, a contributor to Parents Magazine. So she is the expert, and she is the author of, of her new book, The Self-Aware Parent, Resolving Conflict and Building a Better Bond with Your Child. So welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Dr. Walfish. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's my pleasure to be with you. Now, I want before we get into the book, I do have to say you mentioned in the book when you're talking about some of your own your own history and how you got to be a leading child and family therapist. But one of the things is you opened up your own private practice and the zip code of 90210. So that's where you started. You started in the trenches it sounds like with all these wealthy, famous uh parents and 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 children and and this is the, the group that you began uh, counseling. Well, to tell you the truth, it's the place I landed. <laughs> I actually started at Cedars Sinai Medical Center in the Department of Family and Child Psychiatry a long time ago in the 1970s. And I was on their staff for 15 years, and now I'm in the trenches in 90210 in the Beverly Hills area, I do treat a lot of celebrity 
families, kids of celebrities, but I had my greatest training working with all different various socioeconomic groups at Cedars-Sinai, and what I'm here to tell you is the problems and the challenges in parenting are the same. They really are not very different. Um, parents are trying to balance loving and nurturing their children and face the, the difficulty of confronting angry kids when they have to set boundaries and follow through. And what I find is the biggest challenge today for parents is holding the line. Most of the parents I've ever talked to have great intentions, and they do the loving and nurturing part excellently. They could write that book, but when it comes to setting boundaries, identifying what a parent wants to hold the line on, and then following through is the biggest challenge. And having to, as a parent, and having to tackle that challenge, and you say there aren't that many differences between the 90210 kids and the middle class kids and, and all the emotional issues are the same. But one of the, I mean, the, to me it seems that the book points out, first of all, and I don't think a lot of parents necessarily do this, this is why I think your book is so important, it's the importance of knowing yourself as a parent. You have to know who you are and where you're coming from emotionally in order to be a good parent. Talk to us about that because parents kind of follow these rules and if you do, you know, uh, there are certain rules of parenting and being responsible, like you say, and loving and nurturing. That doesn't seem to be the problem, but knowing yourself and how that impacts on your relationship with your kid, that's key. Catherine, it's a pleasure to talk to another uh, clinician. I think you're a social worker, yes. right? Yes, I am. Um, that's a really insightful question because most of the parents that come to my office have read more books than I have, and they know all the right things to do. But what they are not familiar with is the, having taken a hard and painful look within at their own histories, the kind of parenting they got, and the powerful feelings that can get tripped off when a child of their own is in the middle of experiencing their powerful feelings. For example, if a parent says, it's time to turn off the TV and take a bath or go do homework. Most kids will say, five more minutes, please, please. And that's when the heat can turn up and kids can escalate. And parents, I find, have one of a couple of different reactions. Number one, most of them are pushed to the point of being rendered helpless. So the parent will either feel very angry, uh, how dare you not listen to me, and either blast the child or verbally attack back, or the parent feels guilty for having hurt or injured their child and bursts into tears and either collapses or walks away, and that risks the child feeling alone in their struggle and maybe even abandoned. 
So it's so important to know where our own weak spots, raw nerves are, so that we can be prepared, have tools, strategies, and tips in our back pocket to pull out. And that's what my book is filled with. After holding each reader's hand and walking them through the process of gentle looking within, then I offer strategies and tips at the end of each chapter. So, for example, if a child is angry, saying, I don't want to take a bath, um, the parent can say, boy, I hear how mad you are at me. I think when you say you hate me, you're really saying you hate what I'm telling you to do, and it's it's hard to stop when you want more. I know that. I want more cookies. <laughs> 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 but a follow-up to that would be not only knowing yourself as a parent, as you say, you know, what pushes your buttons, because you have to understand yourself and also, I guess, the parenting that you had, um, your own parents and the effect that had on, on you as a parent. But each child is different. And he, I mean, I had, and I, you know, for, I, before we got on the air, I told you I have three sons who are now grown up. But each one of them had a different personality and I could tell one of them to turn off the TV, and he didn't want to, but he could kind of, he had the ability to manipulate me in a way that I'd give him another five or ten minutes. The other child would get very upset and very angry, and so that would start, you know, uh, uh, stuff going on between the two of us. So each child reacts differently, don't you? You have to know yourself, and you have to know how that impacts on the um the personality of, of your children, your child, each child, different. Absolutely right on, and a very sophisticated mom in you for noticing and saying that. And that's why it's important to know what your personality is first, and then get to know each individual child's personality and the individual needs of that child. For example, it's very easy for any parent or even school teacher to have a warmer feeling toward the child that complies and and listens quickly and turns off the TV. And yet the child who's struggling with that, with listening quickly, has a need too. Perhaps they need the feeling of being accepted and validated, warts and all, flaws and all, because we have them. So it's very important to know what the chemistry of each child is and how it mixes with your own personality style. Do you think, Dr. Walfish, that certain children, unfortunately, are born, and you mentioned chemistry because I think that's real important, like they're born into families that they, it's the wrong chemistry. One kid is in the right chemistry and the other one is the wrong chemistry. And I can give you an example of a, of a, uh, a friend of mine who has two sons, one, you know, that's a very high-powered family, both mother and father, you know, physicians, the, the one son is, follows in that foot in their footsteps, and the other one is just kind of a very low-keyed, artistic kind of person, doesn't fit into that family. It's not good or bad, but it's so painful. 
for him, because it's always difficult to deal with his brother, to deal with his parents, um, how do you mitigate, how do you, what do you do about that? Wonderful question, and I've seen a number of kids who feel that way, and thank God it's not a typical child experience, but it's certainly more than occasional. And those kids can, without help and adjustment on the part of the parents, those kids can grow up feeling very alone in their families, like they're different. I've had children like that come to me and whisper in my ear that they fear they've been adopted because (laughs) they're so different from their parents. And what's required in those cases is for the parents to slow down and rediscover, become acquainted learn who that child is that is so different from who they are and begin to respect the differences. For example, you gave a great example. There's an, you know, I saw a child who fits the same description, child of two physicians. Uh, two of the children were highly academic. The third one was very creative and not into academics at all. And that child felt not accepted and not embraced. And those parents had to be helped by me to understand and accept that differences are to be embraced. Not, in other words, you know, we're talking a little bit about control and rigidity. There has to be a fluidity within families so that um, embracing and accepting all different types of learners, different types of personalities is accepted. What is not accepted and what has to be true for all children is how we treat other people, how we treat each other. It has to be with respect and without harshness. And there are common denominators within the book that all families have to expect. Of their what I want to do, I, I, I want to reiterate what you said, because fluidity, not rigidity, that's something to remember as a parent. The fluidity, not rigidity, and accepting diversity within the family. Because, Dr. Walfish, we, as a society, we're always talking about diversity. We embrace diversity. Yeah, we do outside our family, but when it comes to our own kids, it doesn't, you know, we have much more difficulty with doing that. Um, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, one of the chapters in the book, you talk about separating your child from you, this whole issue of separation and enmeshment. Um, I want to discuss that because I think that's a huge issue today. It's, 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 you know, even though we talk about kids being more independent and getting out there, I think this issue of enmeshment and the inability for parents to separate from their kids has a great impact on the um well, on the upbringing of the kids and their ability to get out and be successful and even just live on their own. Anyway, we're talking to Dr. Fran Walfish, author of The Self-Aware Parent, Resolving Conflict and Building a Better Bond with Your Child. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. We'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And joining me this morning is Dr. Frances Walfish. She's uh, the leading child and family therapist. If you're just joining us, she's in private practice in Beverly Hills, California. And her new book is The Self-Aware Parent, Resolving Conflict and Building a Better Bond with Your Child, which is what we've been talking about. There's so much to talk about in the book, so I'm just going to hone in on what I really think is one of the major problems between parent and child today. And Dr. Walfish addresses this in her book, Separating Yourself from Your Child. I have so many friends, Dr. Walfish, who can't do that. I mean, they've got, you know, they're still making doctor's appointments for their 30-year-old sons. They're still helping them find apartments. They're all the kinds of things that, that one should be doing on one's own after you've graduated from college and gone out into the real world. But it creates these kind of, um, they're, they're not, uh, sort of, not adults, not, not able to make their own decisions or make good choices. Very, very true. And you know, people have children for all different kinds of reasons. I think that's the first question to ask. Why do I want to have children? Is it to keep me company? Is it to make me look good as a parent? Or is it to hopefully grow healthy, competent, productive children who you can praise every increment in their moving away from you and becoming independent thinkers. So that's kind of a new and novel idea because most parents, without thinking, praise the child's reaching out for closeness. And 
What I am suggesting is the following. The early years, from zero to three, it's very important to, well, you know, the first year, the first 12 months of life, the attachment and bond is everything. And as you know, Catherine, it creates a basis, a sense of trust for the child to then feel safe in the world and move out. But once the child becomes a toddler and age 18 months embarks on the phase of separating or beginning the separation process from parent, it's really important for parents to praise every increment of independence and separate decision-making and even disagreeing with mom and dad as a way of um, uh, embarking them with the tools that they need and strategies for becoming separate, independent adults. Why do you think, and and, uh, uh, have you seen this in your practice? I mean, do you think that baby boomers, and I'm a baby boomer, um, on the old side too. of being a baby boomer, but <laughs> I've still got a couple of years to go. But anyway, um, seem to me to be more attached to their children, um, seem to be super involved, enmeshed. Maybe we have to describe to listeners or give a definition of what enmeshment means because that's uh, um, kind of a, uh, I guess, a professional term. Uh, but enmeshed with their children so that they can't become separate adults, lead separate lives, be close to their parents, but at the same time maintain a healthy distance. But I think baby boomers do are doing that more than, say, our parents did. Um, and part of it has to do with communication and the Internet and the ability to, you know, talk to your mother every five minutes on your cell phone. Uh, you know, when I was in college, if I, I talked to my parents once a week, so any choices that I had to make during the, whether it's taking courses or whatever it was, dating, I made those choices. I wasn't always running it by my mother or running it by my father. Um, I just, um, let me yeah, start. Ahead. You're raising two very important points. One is, let me define enmeshment as I think of it. Um, attachment is healthy and a very good thing, but everything is on a spectrum, and all of us fall somewhere on the spectrum. Enmeshment is where the boundaries between the parent and child are not clearly enough defined, and what happens to the child raises too much anxiety in the parent, the mom or the dad, most often when there's an enmeshment, it's usually the mother with the child. <laughs> uh, parent, uh, dads are very busy off uh, pursuing own careers, and many moms are too, but it's usually the mom whose anxiety can go through the roof if the boundaries are not clearly defined. So, in other words, we cannot shield children from experiencing disappointments. All we can do is equip them with the tools and skills for dealing well with disappointments. And your next uh, comment of the over-attachment 
meaning um, children, even grown children, are now uh, too in, connected, and it's it's like a seesaw where it goes back and forth between parent and child, and the parent is over-attached and too connected to the child. Um, the, you're asking why is it somehow increased today, and my opinion is the following. You know, without, God forbid, sounding judgmental or categorizing, there's a lot of peer pressure these days, a lot of wannabes and wanna-haves, and too many parents are responding to a current, an undercurrent of competitiveness between parents. My child got into Harvard. My child got into UCLA or NYU. And where is your child going? And the trickle-down effect is is staggering. Which nursery school a child get in, gets into uh, becomes a rivalry point. And so there's, a, there's too much involvement in where my child goes, what my child does, what my child has, as compared to others, rather than as compared to my individual child. As you commented in the previous segment, each individual child within the family is uniquely one to himself. And so it shouldn't be about a reflection on the parent, but rather what my child needs that will serve his or her own healthy growth. Well, I think this is what your book is about, which is why it's so great, because when one reads it, then you'll have some insight into as a parent in terms of what you're doing, because by the time you see people, they're already in trouble. They've already done this. You're there to help them rectify the relationship. So uh, besides reading your book, what you as the expert, what do you think we can do to kind of mitigate this, these circumstances so that we don't do this, that we don't have this overinvestment so that your child, you know, your child, it's your child is going to Harvard or, or UCLA, not you. But um, is there anything that we can do, I guess, as a community, yes. as a society, so that this, to prevent some of this? Yes, I think we need to recognize first that parenting is a very, very difficult job. And I think it's the hardest job in the world, I really do, with the least preparation. So I think we need to recognize it's hard, and we have to do a couple of things. Number one, cut ourselves some slack. Make room for error. So many parents want to do it perfectly today, and that's pretty much near impossible. It is impossible. I've never met a perfect parent. And uh, so we have to make room for mistakes, both in ourselves and in our children. And that means being less judgmental and more accepting of flaws. That's one. Number two, I think it really helps to talk about this with either a partner or other parents. Join a parenting group or if 
you are religious, talk to your minister or rabbi or counselor, but engage a partner. It helps all of us to have support. And you and I as clinicians know that it helps us to have supervision or consultation when we're trying to help others grow, and that means the parenting job. It just really does help to talk it through. And when there's a conflict with your child, whether it's an over-attachment or um, setting a boundary or a consequence, I think the talking through conflicts is the glue that holds relationships together. So it's not talking at someone, but it's truly a give and take where each person takes turns listening without interruption to the other person's point of view and reflecting out loud and saying what you hear and accepting it. You don't have to agree, but to be able to tolerate difference is really important. That's a great note to leave on because I I think that... uh... Obviously, that's the most important thing we can do as a parent. Um, we want to go to your website, though. You have a great website, lots of information. So give us the website, and then I'm going to mention the book one more time because you can buy the book at Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. But Dr. Fran Walfish, her website, it's DrFranWalfish.com, right? That's correct. It's yeah. D-R. DrFranWalfish.com, and the books can be bought at all bookstores, Barnes & Nobles, Borders, on Amazon.com, and I am just thrilled to be with you. Great. Thanks so much for inviting me on, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you were great. Great guest. Great book, by the way. Love your book. And, Thank um, you. Have a good holiday. Thank you. You too. Okay. Thanks. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. We're going to take a short break before we talk to our next guest, Pam Anderson, best-selling author and USA Weekend food columnist. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Uh, joining me is uh, Pam Anderson. She's best-selling author and USA Weekend food columnist. She has a new book called Perfect One-Dish Dinners, uh, which opens the door to a whole new way of entertaining. I love it. One-Dish Dinners. 
uh, simple, easy, uh, but good, delicious. It's the one, she calls it the one dish solution. Uh, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Pam. Well, it is great to be with you too, Catherine. Okay, and I'm going to relate this kind of to social work because one dish dinners are going to relieve a lot of stress. And I talk yeah. about stress on this show all the time. And it is going to, whoever does, does the cooking, mother, father, kid, whoever does it, uh, yeah. and you've got all these guests coming on the holidays and you have family and you have friends and you're thinking, how can I make a zillion dishes? I don't have time. I don't even want to do it. I don't want to yeah. shop for it. So you have yeah. the solution to kind of like alleviate a lot of this holiday stress with your one-dish dinners. That's true. We all just we all have recent memories of Thanksgiving, right? That's exactly what we did. We spent all day cooking and coordinating a big meal, and I think that's people's you know memory often of having people over. It's like ah, oh, that's just so much effort. And what I believe is that when you put all of your eggs in that one dish, you know, and you make one beautiful, festive, satisfying, eye-catching dish, the rest can be very, very simple. Um, all you really need, I, I do actually give a menu, a co- complete menu for each one dish. It's not just all one dishes. There are, there's a specific appetizer and salad and dessert that goes with each one dish. So you, you don't have to think about it. You can just, here's my menu. Um, but I, I say at the beginning, I give people complete permission to simply buy a can of good quality roasted nuts and serve that when people first arrive with whatever you're offering to drink. And with that one dish, all you really need is a simple salad. And these days, salads are so simple. You just buy a tub of those baby greens. You add some seasonal uh, ingredients. In fact, one of the things, it's after, the, after people have commented about how delicious they think the one dishes are, one of the things that people most notice in the book is that I offer a different salad with each menu because I think people don't necessarily need to know how to make a salad these days, but they need they need ideas because I think a lot of people just, we go into the kitchen, we, we sleepwalk our way through making a salad. It's the same thing night after night when there are so and, many and amazing Pam, and I'm beautiful things. I am one of those. That's why you're so right. I mean, you are on target with that. I, I know I have to have a salad every night, and I go yep. and I make the same salad, and my yep. boyfriend makes the same dressing, and we sit down and say, well, we should do something different, but you know what? Okay, we'll eat it. It's good for you, and that's the end of it. But it's not really this great experience that, that's right. Yeah. I mean, and, and you're right. I'm so, I'm so with you. There's hardly a day that goes by that I don't eat some form of a salad. I mean, it's a great way to get your vitamin C, your vitamin E, and all those things that keep you healthy and your immune system up, especially this time of year. And it's so delicious, too. But, but um, and, and I think, you know, that, but if people just sort of look, thought outside the box, like the other night I looked in my... Um, my fruit basket, and there was an orange there, and I had bought a pomegranate at the grocery store for some decoration or something. I took that orange and those pomegranate seeds and made a beautiful salad with some celery and red onion. Um, I think you just have to open, you open up your pantry. Do you have any roasted red peppers? Do you have any artichokes? Do you have any canned beans? Do you have any nuts? Do you have any, you open your trees drawer. Do you have some Parmesan cheese that you can shave off and throw in the salad? Do you have apples? Do you have pears? I mean, there's so many great things. And I think this time of year, it's a festive way to start off a, a, a dinner without making, you know, I mean, because we all want to eat well this time of year. But, you know, if you can start it off in a healthy way. Um, and the, the thing I've just learned, which I think is so amazing, is that, you know, a lot of people kind of shy away from, from dressing. They think, oh, I want to save the calories. Well, in fact, the fat in the salad dressing helps you absorb those nutrients. So 
enjoy your salad tossed with your favorite dressing because um, it's going to help you absorb those nutrients. So but Pam, you're saying to the, don't to the one dishes with really having kind that of salad here. substitute. I mean, the salad dressing that are substitute salad dressing that tastes terrible, by the way, uh, with the you know yeah. fake sugar or the fake. Uh, well, fake sugar, I guess, is mainly what they put into it. But anyway, so enjoy it because it it absorbs all the other fat if you have your salad dressing. But I think yeah. one other thing you just said, like if you get your book, you don't. Not all of us are creative like you are. So you get the book, you can do things creatively and simply, yeah. and you don't have to be thinking about it because I wouldn't have thought about the orange and the pomegranate, but. If yeah. you're telling, if I if it's in your book, then then I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, so, no, yeah. I know, I know. Celery root, great, grated celery root. They're just dried cranberries, uh, figs, apricots, dried apricots, straw, fresh strawberries. I mean, the list goes on and on of things that you can do to change a salad up night after night, so that you're not feeling like you're eating the same old thing over and over again. Um, but anyway, so, Pam, what do you say to people who say, well, "I can't do that. It's too expensive." Uh, oh, you mean? With this, you mean having all those ingredients in your pantry? Yeah, for, having for these ingredients it sounds so fancy. It sounds so gourmet, even though it's only a one dish dinner. Um, it, it, is it is it is it expensive? Oh my goodness, no! I mean, in fact, some of my favorite dishes are 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 very very reasonable. I mean, um, my sausage and white beans cassoulet style. It just it doesn't get you know the most expensive thing in that dish are the cherry the the cherry tomatoes. You take some Italian sausage, you just simply throw them in a heavy-duty roasting pan along with the cherry to- some cherry tomatoes, an onion, some garlic, a little bit of olive oil and balsamic vinegar, salt and pepper, shove it in the oven. 45 minutes later, pull it out, add three cans of white beans, return it to the oven just to heat the beans through, boom. You've got dinner for, I don't know, a dozen people, and it didn't break the bank. The, um, there's, the piece of roast chicken and dressing like is one of my favorites. Can you mm-hmm. freeze them? What? Can you freeze the one-dish dishes? Yes. Like that sounds that that you you talked about, that sausage and white beans, when I was on the road a lot this fall with promoting my book, I packaged up those little little baggy portions of that sausage and white beans, and that's what kept my husband alive while I was away. (laughs) (laughs) He's lucky he's married to you. Yes. (laughs) I think I care about my man. Does he cook? Is he, is, because you, they are simple. They're beautiful. They're, they're easy. So, yeah. Oh, the ch- chicken salsa verde, um, you know, that's, that starts with a rotisserie chicken, and I'm so happy these days that a lot of stores are starting to carry organic rotisserie chickens because I, I love start, that I don't have to start with a raw chicken to make a dish like this. You take the rotisserie chicken and you simply make a spicy, it's, it's really just chicken and dumplings, Except I've 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 um, updated it by adding salsa verde to my sauce so that it's actually really spicy, um, and then you make the dumplings. They've got a little bit of cornmeal and some scallion and cilantro. So again, little touches that make um, make this dish a little bit special, um, and certainly something that I would serve to anybody who was coming over to my house. I would be proud to serve that dish, um, and and again, didn't break the bank. That. Uh, that uh, chorizo stuffed pork loin, um, adobo stuffed pork loin, you can feed an army with uh, with a whole pork loin, and um, and I do just that. And I I roast it on a rack over a he- that heavy duty roasting pan and put my black beans and rice underneath there, so that I've got my side dish, and all the drippings from that pork are going right into that black beans and rice. And I'm telling you, there will not be a bit of black beans and rice left when when you've when if you serve that pork roast. 
I bet people can't wait to be invited to your house for dinner. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's interesting that you say that because um, because that's, that's what this book is all about. And I, did, I wrote another book called Perfect Recipes for Having People Over, and it, it was that, it was with that book that I have developed the spirit of I'm just having people over, I'm not entertaining. And I think that's, if I have any advice for people this season, it's stop entertaining, just have people over. Because entertaining is about whether you succeeded or failed at the end of the night, and it all rests on you. Having people over is fun. It's what you say when you want to do it. And, and it just, that, that, that shift in your head makes all the difference. And I think it makes, it allows you to be a happy cook because you're keeping it simple because you're just having people over. Happy cook means happy guests. Happy guests means they've, they're going to have a good time, and they're going to, this is going to be one of those memorable meals for them. You are so right. And, you know, I mean, this is, a good, this is also a very good note to end on because we have a couple minutes. But that whole yeah. thing, I have looked at some of my dinner parties as entertainment, and I end up in tears by the time I'm finished. And yeah. I can't wait till they get here, eat, and leave because I'm yeah. so exhausted. So this, yeah. I mean, changes everything. This is a great, perfect one-dish dinners. Pam Anderson, New York Times bestselling author. You can buy the book, bookstores everywhere, online. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Catherine. It was great to be with you, too. It was great. Have a good holiday. You, too. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Hope you had a great morning with us. Have a good week, and we will see you next Wednesday. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.